Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma radiated, collected by a mad titan, and aired live every week, only on the Not Productive Network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hey, Ken and Pete. Hey, Frank. Hey, Frank. We rank and review comics from best to worst. That's mint, near mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies, and try to guide you in what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, near mint is going gaga over Thanos. As we celebrate Infinity Month in preparation of that new Marvel movie, you know the one, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so psyched for this. I am actually very psyched for that. But no, no, no. We are, of course, talking about Infinity War, Avengers Infinity War. And that means this week, since it's our second week in doing the prequels for the comic book Infinity uh, Saga is probably what I could call it. Original Infinity Trilogy, I guess you could say. Well, it's a quadrilogy. We're doing all four. Well, Thanos Ooh. Quest was a prequel. Oh, all right. Well, this is tedious. <clears throat> yeah. But for, to do this, we're now on second week, and we're covering, I guess, the most iconic mm-hmm. of all the stories, Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, this is the, the, the big one. This is one of the big daddies, yeah. Oh, man. It, it was so refreshing to go back and reread this now, because I, I think the last time I read I actually... I have fond memories of Peter and I reading those issues in my backyard in the summer at one point, back in 1991. A full disclosure, Infinity Gauntlet 4 was the first comic book I ever bought. <laughs> I, I vividly remember that day that we read it. Mm-hmm. It was great. I was blown away. I had no idea. I mean, before that, I think the only Marvel comics I had picked, I had ever purchased were ALF comics <laughs> of course <laughs> um, oh, interesting that it was out i had some marvel uh uh coloring and activity books mm-hmm. uh and i i only I, I knew about you know spider-man captain america the hulk you probably watched the cartoons some, i didn't oh you didn't wow. no that's surprising. Uh, I, I knew the hulk and i knew a character that i th- called rock hulk <laughs> because I didn't know who the thing was. Nice. Excellent. Wonderful. That's uh, great. Yeah, and you know, nostalgia carries you through a lot of these readings. You can't help but do that, even if, um, I think even if you've never read it as a kid. I, I don't think I did. I don't think I read Infinity Gauntlet young, uh, at a young age. I think I was, I was definitely aware of it, but I don't think I was able to uh, collect them all, you know? Right. And so I was very much the kid who would be, and it wasn't even a comic book store, it was in like the local, like, gro- not grocery, the convenience store. That's, yes, where, that's where we used to go, yeah. Minoracks. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, talking to my friends at uh, in recess, trying to get a piece together what was going on in the yep. story. I, I read four, then I went back and found three. Good. Then awesome. five and six as they came out. But it wasn't until years later that I actually picked up one and two. This is such an iconic story that I don't think, I think anyone who's even tangentially aware of superhero stories mm-hmm. knows a little bit about what the Infinity Gems are about. Mm-hmm. That may not be right. That may be me exaggerating uh, the significance. And certainly now that the movies are big, I think almost everyone who has even a slight interest in genre. Right, in sci-fi to, fantasy. I think thanks to Capcom, the Infinity Gems did make a pretty strong impression on, yes. uh, yeah. on pop culture in general. With the uh, what, what was the name of that video game series? Oh, Do you remember? Uh, it was, it was or, the Marvel Superheroes 
first one. It was the first yeah. one, I think. Yeah. And then War of the Gems, was it? was it? And there was a lot of different... There, there's lots of different avenues you could get into this. You could get into some of the later cartoons that reference it. Mm-hmm. You could be interested in comics in general, and people will talk about crossovers, and it's hard not to ignore this. Merchandising. There's amazing <laughs> like stuff. I don't think there is a Thanos toy that has come out that hasn't at least had the, the Infinity Gauntlet as something you can add on, add on to right. the to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's like, it's a super iconic story. It's the one that really cements the idea of, even though we've had the Thanos quest, it cements the idea that there are these Infinity Gems, each controls one aspect of the universe. I, I want to say of reality, but one of them is a reality gem. Mm. Uh, and that uh, when you combine them all in this really, really stylish gold gauntlet, you can basically have the power onto a god. And, and this yeah. one was was one of the first things that I can remember that really drove home that you became the supreme being yeah. in the rea- reality when you, when you got this MacGuffin. I mean, how many times did the word omnipotence show yeah, up? It's like, Absolutely. A lot of stuff makes you like a god. Right, but the premise on this one was that you actually became God. Uh, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. In a, uh, not in a religious sense. And there is, I mean, a very brave stance for comics at these days. Actually, the first, uh, I think it's one of the first pages. It's this. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous that Thanos made the word God out of, yeah, out of like, space break. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, just look at the word God for a while, and then blows it up. Uh, yeah, but like yeah. yeah, you're right. I think this is probably the first time that it's not like unto a god, but it's I am a god. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, very interesting book, and uh, I can't wait to get deep into it. So let's get deep into it. So basic setup for those of you for for whatever reason have not listened to the first podcast in the series. In Thanos Quest, we are reintroduced to the Mad Titan. Thanos, Mm -hmm. who has been resurrected by death to be death's lackey, who will go out into the universe and kill half of creation to balance the levels between life and death, because there are more people alive now than have ever been dead or something like that. And he is doing this because he is madly infatuated and in love, in his words, with the personification of death. And this fanboyish love of death, this emo, I write poetry in the parking lot outside my high school, Thanos uh, is really heightened up in this book. We'll get to that in a little bit. (laughs) So he's uh, in love with death, and he, in an attempt to do what he promised her, destroy half the universe, he uh, seeks out and collects in Thanos' quest all six Infinity Gems, and at the end of that story, he has power onto a god, and by the time this story opens up, which is actually a publication history of few months after Thanos quest closed uh he is now basically settling into the yeah I'm god I'm mm-hmm. god of this universe and right. I'm going to show off but what's the best way to show off um it's interesting that in terms of timeline we ca- we call Thanos quest the prequel book and it is but there's only a few months in there where uh the writers all writers, writers in Marvel are maybe toying with the idea of what are the consequences of Thanos having these powers. Mm-hmm. I felt like that wasn't really addressed at any point. We really just had Thanos out there in space contemplating. Yeah. And that's actually uh, Infinity Gauntlet had tie-in books. Right. Uh, th- this was a, a company-wide crossover event, and there were tie-in books that were denoted by a little uh, triangle in the upper right-hand corner that said it was an Infinity Gauntlet crossover which dealt with the ramifications in the wider marvel universe of what happens 
when Thanos has this power and with the after effects of what he does with it. Yeah. Right. Thanos, where Thanos Quest was very tightly packaged within two books, mm-hmm. this thing spreads out over six main storylines and now into many crossovers, yeah. which I actually did not read. Did any of you read I did not actually reread? Not, I did not reread anything, uh, but I can say that I very much liked the way this was handled by Marvel because what it did was it, it showed how individual characters were dealing with this major event, but none of them were absolutely necessary for you to get the storyline. Yeah, we have yet entered the, the phase of the sprawling, impossible-to-follow yeah. event crossover like, series. If, if you sit there and read Infinity Gauntlet 1 through 6, you have a complete story. You don't really have any questions that are left up in the air, like how did this happen or where did this come right. from. You just get a little extra if you read the crossovers. Yes. I actually read a couple of the, the stories before leading into Infinity Gauntlet that tied in with Silver Surfer. Issue 50 was one of the milestone books for an anniversary for them, and it was uh, pretty cool. It was a standoff of Silver Surfer and Thanos where they exchange minds and get to see into each other a oh, little bit. Interesting. And Silver Surfer running away and falling to Earth right into the Sanctum Sanctorum. Right where this story picks up. Exactly. So mm-hmm. speaking of picking up the story, the setup. So uh, Thanos has now gained all the powers of a god. Uh, we In a few side Marvel books, Silver Surfer notably, we have some things going on with, with Thanos amassing his power and b- ready to do his massive, horrific deed. And the majority of this book is the rest of the universe, the Marvel comic universe, who did not actually show up pretty much at all in Thanos Quest. No heroes making a real journey mm-hmm. uh, appearance there. Finally becoming aware that something bad is about to happen and the massive consequences of Thanos just doing horrible things at first just to impress Mistress Death and then later as the series goes on in an attempt to swat away the nuisance that is the rest of the superheroes who are daring to challenge his omnipotence. Right, right. Uh, and then finally, this uh, the, the last arc of this story really is, or the, the next last thing we have to deal with, is Adam Warlock, a um, the hero of this book, if there is one, uh, and his plan to best Thanos before Thanos destroys all the known, all, all of creation, effectively. Mm. Um, and that's pretty much the entire summary of the story. It's right. a, for six issues and a, and a massive event, it's pretty simple. I, for yeah. one, forgot that there was so little gauntleting that happened in this in this book. Like, there was no collecting of the gems. I don't know why I extrapolated that in such yeah. a weird way. I actually forgot that there were less heroes in this book than I thought I remembered. You know, I actually thought I, I could have sworn that like half of the Marvel Universe was actually fighting Thanos in this. Right? Yeah, me too. My memories with that. And maybe it's part of the part in this book is you, you heroes will show up as missing, just as sort of like a mm-hmm. splash page of these heroes don't exist anymore. And maybe I'm just sort of remembering that differently. No, it's, it's about the way I remember it, honestly. Really? Yeah. Um, but then, I, I mean, I, I only had a, remember, I only had a few comic books. <laughs> so, and I was pouring over these over and over again. Understood, yeah. Uh, but I, I, think it's, I think it's about time we talk about what Thanos does. Yeah, yeah. To kick this whole thing off that really impacts everyone. As he's promised Mistress Death, he's going to kill half of the living beings in the universe. Mm-hmm. Because Mistress Death 
sees the fact that there are more human or there are more intelligent beings alive now than have ever died as a great cosmic imbalance, and Thanos is going to set that right. Right, and how Thanos uh, goes about fulfilling his quest for, for absolutely Mr. amazing. I mean, you 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 imagine murdering half the living beings in all of creation, this huge undertaking, and Thanos just snaps his fingers. And blinks out half the yeah. universe's population. And the way they the, that Starlin and Lim show this, by cutting to different scenes, uh, Spider-Man swinging through Times Square mm-hmm. as people just blink out of existence. You know, a, a, the simple, a mother... Screaming, where's my baby? Where's my baby? Yeah. yeah. She's, the baby has disappeared from its baby Yeah, carriage. there's a moment in the book where you're like, oh, did he just uh, rapture out half the universe and no one remembers the other half that's missing? Yeah. No. And then it, slowly, it dawns on you that, oh, this is very traumatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The terror. And there's a couple of scenes in that throughout the book where whenever uh, – Thanos does anything to destroy people, uh, sometimes just in his frustration with Mistress Death, which is a theme that is much more obvious in this book than it was mm-hmm. in Thanos Quest. Uh, psychic emanations come out and it cause tidal waves and earthquakes and just it, people dying left and right in this book. It's pretty tra- traumatic. Can I jump a little bit before that, too? Because sure. leading up to the whole thing of him blinking out half the existence of the universe was him trying to explain what he's been doing for Mistress Death. He created the whole uh, castle or palace right. in her image, where we had he made the a skull face and the right. and the full face. Um, and the players that he brought into this, Mephisto of the underworld, is like his right yeah. hand in this. The the actual devil in the Marvel universe is there. Is this sycophantic toady? Yeah, to him. Yeah, and to prove his love and what he wants to do, he blinks his granddaughter Nebula. Onto this, on, on, onto this castle platform, and completely uglifies her. Like oh, he's yeah, charred, uh, like just to prove a point of what he can do to make, and just makes her miserable. Yeah, he's putting her on the 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 edge between life and death, right. not giving her the release of death, thereby saying that this is why you know this is my love letter to death. See, yeah. death is a good thing, folks. You can mm-hmm. end up like Nebula. Yeah. Which She's is constantly the, dying right in the process right of on the verge. Yeah. And it's the most low-key horrific thing Thanos does. One of the reasons why I just glossed over the tidal wave and blinking out of people of existence and all the other things he does, and sparking a war between the the scroll and the Kree, which we don't really see manifest at all, but no. half of both populations disappearing, blaming each other and going to war. Um it I it those are big things, but there's something horrific about taking your effectively your granddaughter and just torturing her as a sort of a, a, a object lesson, a, a love letter. It's the her, most horrific thing Thanos does, in my opinion, in any of these books so far. And it's treated, for the most part, it's kind of this after thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's, she's there, like, there are times where... Um, where Star Fox is like, oh, yep, there's Nebula dying again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just sort of dismissed as a non-issue. And that's not necessarily true. It does have consequences towards the end of the story. But, like, it was the thing to me that was like, this is very uncomfortable reading, mm-hmm. seeing Thanos. That's the That was the line where Thanos was not quite the anti-hero that he kind of maybe was in Thanos' quest. Um, so, I, I, I don't know about doing the play-by-play of this. I think it's it's always best to go right into our feelings. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then using examples of the a plot to, to illustrate that. So I'm going to have the controversial opinion right now. Go for it. Infinity Gauntlet, despite it being iconic, is my least favorite story in, in this. So I'll hmm. say so far, because, I, again, I'm doing the reread, so maybe I'll remember things I disliked about the other ones. But, um, <laughs> like, I, I, do not, I did not enjoy it as much as Thanos Quest. I don't think it was as tight. I don't think the writing was quite there. It's mm. still Jim Starlin. Uh, but it felt like Jim Starlin under deadline, or or perhaps not quite certain where the story was going to be going. Or they're just, for example, to uh, Pete, you said before half the humans in the wor- universe, or was it sentient life forms in the universe? I think the actual line is half the people in the universe. Uh, there are more people alive mm-hmm. than before, which just feels a little sloppy. You know, just a little sloppy. Like there was, I think in Thanos Quest. Starlin would have caught that and made, and possibly because he's only writing as Thanos for the most part in Thanos mm-hmm. Quest. And I don't even remember if that was Thanos or, or Star Fox talking at that time. There were so many different voices, so yeah. many different character voices. It just didn't feel consistent, and I didn't like it. And in fact, half, I'll even move on very briefly to art. I love George Perez. I did not like his work in this compared I, to I, Dave Lim, who ch- shows up later on. I would say I, I, I never got, I didn't get a chance to look into what happened where Perez wound up leaving partway through the fourth issue and Ron Lim took over for the rest of the, the, the series. Uh, the, uh, from what I've read, uh, Ron Lim wasn't offered it initially because he was a little busy and because George Perez was a big get to get bring back. Well, I think part of it too was he was doing Silver Surfer, which at that point right. was coming out twice a month. Right, right. So he was already being a workhorse for them. Right. So, like, it's a partly it was, uh, you know, Perez would be a big get for them to get, you know, new readers involved. Everyone loves his art style. Uh, Lim was busy. And uh, I think that may have been the only reason. And I think it was taken away from or Perez left the book because he wasn't happy with where the story was going. And he was getting busy himself. So he's like, you know Possible. what? This can't work. And it was passed off to Lim, who I think did an amazing job. I think the last few issues are much stronger, much more artistically in keeping with what I've seen so far in the cosmic scheme than the, the initial ones. And I, I don't know about you guys, too. But I mean, even I mean, I knowing the styles, like I can pretty much tell where in that book it oh, stopped. Yeah. But if you look at it, too, the styles are still very similar. They're, and, they and do. They're, it, I mean, they're it's professionals. Not a, it's not yeah. a distraction either. Yeah. Correct. And I think I, I, I may be going on a limb. I, I don't have any evidence about this other than my own gut feeling. But I think there are some panels in here. I'll even go as far as to say individual panels that Ron Lim may have gone back and redrawn Put some components. Lines in, yeah. to oh, possibly. It. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because th- there's a few, uh, you know, images of Thanos that definitely look more limb than Perez. Mm, possibly. Uh, and, and right. so Starlin was writing throughout, and I don't know, maybe it was just the cacophony of voices. I mean, you've got panels or pages where Spider-Man's talking, and Spider-Man has almost nothing to do with the story. Right. Right? He, arguably, he is killed in a very dramatic yet undramatic way. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just... Well, he's one of the ones we actually physically don't see what happened to him. Right. Mm. It's, it's implied. It's implied. Well, it's implied. very much implied. Yeah, and very we much. see the aftermath. Yeah, you see the bloody rock, you see his strewn body. Uh, but my, I, I don't know what it was, but I definitely felt it. And I'm being, you know, uh, an honest reviewer here. 
Infinity Gauntlet, I was surprised by how little it, it how how weak it felt in terms of narrative story. It did not. I did not feel the Mad Titan Thanos. I did not see like this is exactly what I want to see in the movie. In fact. Interestingly enough, just because we are, of course, doing this for the movie, I hope that little to none of this shows up in the movie um, because it doesn't yeah. seem like it would be in any like, how do you reading this? I felt the MacGuffin coming of I'm just going to undo all of this through magic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the film does that. Ooh, I mean, Hawkeye disappearing may be the only thing that <laughs> they get from this. <laughs> we'll find out. Um yeah, I, am I wrong in this? Are you? Uh, do you guys disagree? No, I, I, I to a degree. I, I no, I, I do, I do uh, agree with you. Yeah, it, it's it, and part of it is if, when you look at the amount of dialogue within the first half of the books, and then by the end, a lot of it turns out to be larger panels and splash pages too, mm-hmm. where we don't have as much of that, and we're, I guess, we're getting the cataclysmic stuff, but there's not enough to kind of show me or explain what's going on too at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of it turned out to be well. Let's just bank faith in I wrote Adam Warlock well enough so that people will kind of appreciate him and get behind him. Uh, yeah, I think that may be an element. For me, uh, another element is that is stakes, right? When so I'm reading this and I'm like, there's maybe it's different for initial readers who, are, especially if you were young or if you didn't, you know, know that this was going to be dialed back. Obviously, I know it was. Um, but looking at this, I'm like, there, the stakes in these are very hard. To bite the interpersonal hero conflict that is, you know, TM Marvel. I'm like, guys, stop arguing. It it doesn't matter. The fact mm-hmm. that the tension of what are we gonna do against an, an unstoppable godlike being? And my my thought was nothing. I don't know what the stakes in this are. I can't see you possibly defeating it. It wasn't until Warlock or- orchestrates that. I think towards issue four or five orchestrates that first volley where the heroes fight him on his death worshiping floating yeah, that's, that's, asteroid. The fight takes place on in issue four. The, yeah. the orchestration Initial, yeah. happens in issue three for and the th- most part. And I think it's around issue four where I see the futility of them fighting. I'm like, okay, that's somewhat poetic. I could, I could appreciate this for what it is uh, showcasing how heroes make their last stand. Even if you're going to, Mm-hmm. dial it back afterwards i'm fine i'm an adult i know how this works in comics <laughs> but up until then three issues of what are we gonna do where's half the world nick fury in in a space station arguing like i don't need all that it's mm-hmm. so much so much padding and apparently that was also part of the uh the argument with with the work on this book is i think perez was the one who said this can be done with a lot less pages yeah and i felt it i i I agree that it can be done with a lot less pages. Uh, I actually appreciated all those little things, all that what you call padding in there, because I felt that's what gave you the sense of stakes. You know, I, I, to me, I can see that to me, seeing how all of this impacts Nick Fury, you know, People that are are never no, you, going to you can't Black give me Widow. Nick Fury. Oh, Black like, Fury, good. Like, Nick Fury was barely. I was he was lounging in an office chair, yeah. going, "They don't pay me enough for this," and looking very Hasselhoff. <laughs> oh my but, god! I was going to call that on the uh, the cover of the first issue. If you blow that sucker up, that looks just like David it's, Hasselhoff it's in that movie. But yeah, Black Fury is a great example. But Black Widow. Black Fury. Yeah. Uh, Black, <laughs> Black Widow in in that scene where she is trying to help. Uh, civilians 
she by running back into a burning building. Right, when it's already and too late. The interior monologue of, you know, I'm I'm fighting this, but this is happening everywhere. What what can I do? Exactly. But she keeps doing it. Yeah, you're right. You're you absolutely know, that right. That exemplifies the the heroic stakes that are involved here. And I, I, honestly, I would have even liked to see a little bit more of that. Uh, we got we got a little bit uh, too much of the scenery chewing. Oh, what will we do? Yeah, and I, to be fair, I there are places it delivers, and I'm not complaining mm. about those. But there are plenty that where they don't. The where's my baby scene? I love the the Black Widow going in. Yes, and, and on the boardwalk of Atlantic City. I love that. That one. was yeah. really powerful. I was always a big Namorita fan. And it was yes. very powerful. But there were plenty of ones where the entire sequence of Adam Warlock and his cronies. Finding new bodies, yes, was, was a little weird, inexplicable. It almost felt like at one moment I'm like, "Is this? Am I? Am I reading Constantine? Am I reading uh, like something from Neil Gaiman's The Dreaming?" Uh, it, it felt completely out of place. But that about these is, zombies. But being, that is Starlin, though. Like that—that yeah. that is a, a Starlin thing. I think I'm not saying that you can't touch on otherworldly resurrections and zombies. I'm saying that the pacing is weird. Yeah. It's it's weird to put that in in the middle. And I don't I don't think I like the con, I like I like what he tried to do. Like mm-hmm. he's trying to give you a twist here, but I I think this has always been one of Starlin's big faults on these kind of things. He banks on the big reveal being Adam Warlock. Oh my, th- this. These people, it's Adam Warlock resurrecting with Gamora and Pip. But there's only two ways this plays out. If you're familiar with Starlin's characters and the universe surrounding the Infinity Stones, then it's obviously going to be Adam Warlock. Right. Adam Warlock's going to be the one who comes in and, and starts making things right. If you're not familiar, the fact that it's Adam Warlock means nothing to you. Right. right. And they, I think they do acknowledge that Adam Warlock had been gone for 10 years. And I yeah. think literally ten years from the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, so there there were definitely some issues with this, and uh, it it doesn't take away from some of the cool things that do happen in the book. There are some awesome things that happen. It's just it's strange to me that we went from Thanos Quest to Infinity Gauntlet, and it feels almost as if well made by villain in the story, all powerful. Now what? Mm-hmm. It's almost like the Superman syndrome. It is in a way. There's there's a similarity in when the uh, my, uh, how do I keep raising the stakes here when this, yeah. I keep pushing it to the max. Yeah. And one of the things too, going back to the pacing also, at the end by the end of the fourth issue when the heroes are decimated, and Warlock explains that there's the next part of his plan. I'm I'm reading it going wait so this is over like it's five issues like I know it's six but I'm sitting there going but this should be done by the next issue, and where the pacing for me was. They should have had the Avengers and the X-Men and those heroes fighting Thanos and in the same issue, then bring your Celestials in. Yeah. And for that for the, for that double front. I didn't need the two issues to see both of them go up against Thanos. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly when the, the Celestial Clash, I I get separating the two because you want that celestial battle to be even bigger and more right. epic with higher stakes than the the yeah. heroes. It's already difficult enough to explain Captain America punching someone in this yeah. in this field. To, for him to do that while, you know, eternity is in the background, yeah. it yeah. makes it even more ridiculous. Uh, my, my only big problem with the Celestial 
half of the battle was everything was so abstract Mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, most of the, a lot of the panels are just these cascades of energy filling the entire panel. And it's not incredibly clear what's going on or what the stakes are in those individual scenes. Which is, again, another Jim Starlin thing. Go back and read his 70s and 80s Adam Warlock and his his Mm -hmm. cosmic books. It it was all that. I'm glad it's there, but it doesn't necessarily make you you feel good about that issue. No, I love seeing all those cosmic characters brought together to fight one dude. Yeah. But it became a mishmash. Right? Yeah. And for me, another big issue maybe is the way, and this possibly is my lack of experience with, again, Starlin's characters, but it would be, it's Nebula. It's It was very off-putting seeing her in the very beginning, especially knowing who, like having an idea of who this character is from, I'll admit it, and you could call me, you could take away my comic cred from the movies, mm-hmm. having an idea of who this character is, seeing her immediately appeared as someone who was both like a person who should be protected theoretically because you are a granddaughter, right? You know, you're in a very, it, it would be different if it was just some other hero. Uh, but this particular familial relationship, um, then having her completely tortured throughout six books. Until the end, having there be a payoff of why she's there the entire time, which is actually really good. Mm-hmm. I like the mm-hmm. way Thanos's hubris and inability to understand his own wants and needs right. makes him vulnerable. And the person who takes advantage of that vulnerability is the, the person he's, he's punishing. really hurting the most. I like all of that. But there's the fact that there's like another issue and a half where without losing a beat, everyone's like beat up on Nebula yeah. was a little weird to me. Just to, to give a little bit of context in the uh, in the comics continuity up until uh, Infinity Gauntlet, it's been slightly rearranged since. But at the time of Infinity Gauntlet coming out, Nebula was never concretely established as Thanos's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always she was somebody from the future who claimed to be right. his granddaughter, and there was actually a very uh, it wasn't a very familial relationship. It was it was an adversarial relationship. He always viewed her as someone usurping his name. I, I totally, so, I, I'm okay with all that, and I know, I know that it's it's you know fuzzy, but yeah. it's still introduced to us as this person may be my granddaughter, maybe not. But the first and only interaction you're going to have with this this woman is that she has been tortured to the brink of wishing she was dead, mm-hmm. and then she's going to hang around in this comic for five issues. That's messed up. That is really creepy. That's oh, really yeah. un- uncomfortable. Maybe, and that's a good payoff in a way, but it's also kind of weird and un- like not necessarily satisfying. I, I, but I do like how it was written, how Thanos explains the fact of why Nebula shouldn't have it. And the fact is her mind wasn't prepared to handle that. And yeah. that's why we have to take her out because it'll just consume her and destroy yeah. everything. And actually, again, this is, so this is what this whole book is for me or this whole series was for me. Not necessarily, like, it's not bad. It's just not the best way of handling it. The concept of, you know, his long-tortured granddaughter rests the control and, you know, everything is okay except no, it's not. No one should have that much power. I get all of that. It's, I guess it's a pacing issue again. It's weird to devote so much time to having our heroes attempt to beat her it, it seemed like that could just be done with a few panels of her going mad it's true you know you don't have to have 
Like, at the time I'm reading this, and I'm pretty sure Nebula was much more on the villain side, at the, I guess. Oh, definitely. But still, it seemed like a wasted opportunity. Prime example, when the, the glove comes off of her and they're all fighting over it. And it's just a one page of all the little panels of their eyes and their hands trying to reach for I mean, we get it. We yeah, get we you didn't have to we didn't have to take up a whole page. Yeah, just <laughs> imagine doing it even worse. Imagine if like we had two uh, two pages of dream sequences. What would happen if any of these heroes got the or villains or whatever got the gauntlet? I mean, we have had but, those books. But come on, <laughs> how, how much? The series. How much fun was it reading those panels? You're reading that page in your mind and giving yourself the uh, the mental orchestra hit uh-huh. on each panel, focusing on the eye. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I love, yeah, I love the way it was done, but it could have been much more exhausting. And uh, I think that's what Kim's point was. Like, it, what if it was, like, you could do it, less is more. You yeah. could have done that with a little less. Yeah, in, in the case I just brought up, like, we already saw them fighting. I didn't need a whole page of just their eyes and their hands and all. It, all right, it, yeah. It's right there. Yeah. It's right there on the page. And, yeah, I just, that seemed very off. The thing I love the most about the book, if we're doing, like, things we liked and things we didn't like, is how uh, Thanos' fanboyish love, unrequited love, whininess with Mistress Death is brought to a T in this book. It was hinted at towards, especially towards the end of Thanos' quest, but in Infinity Gauntlet, it's the entire thread, the perhaps the only interesting conflict in this. Because Warlock is just sort of inscrutable. We have no idea what his plan is. The heroes, our Marvel Comics heroes, are, are not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Uh, so all we really have is Thanos trying to figure out what he's doing wrong with the woman he loves, but who obviously does not love him, and that's what he's doing wrong. We get every aspect around the phrase, which he never actually says, and I'm surprised he didn't after all of the other ways he said it. Why did he just turn to her and say, why don't you love me? Perhaps it was just too whiny for even Starlin to put in the book. He was already, say, at that point, he was crying. Yeah, yeah. I'd say you're actually right. This this really is the only the the Thanos's arc is the only story. Yeah, really. I mean, because even Adam Warlock says, "No, it's the Vision who's going over their records of their fights with Thanos." That so every time they fight Thanos, Thanos is the one that engineers his own yeah. destruction, his yeah. own yeah. his own defeat. Yeah, and there's a couple of interesting things, and it's a genius move on Starlin's part for using Mephisto as the person who kind of nudges things over in Thanos' mind and says, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) chicks like it when you put your life in danger, and it works. It's the devil in his ear. Thanos is is like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sure, I will reduce my own powers a bit to, to fight this, and I'm like, you know what? I'll give you props for using a villain to do it, but still, it just felt a little... A little bloated and a little, yeah. uh, a couple of missed opportunities, I think, of making a tighter story on this. If, if we're talking about creepy and unsettling things. Yes, uh, always. Can, can I bring up Taraxia? Oh, I was going to do that too. Yes. Yeah, Taraxia. Uh, Taraxia, the, the Thanos' ideal woman. Oh my God. Everything about uh. Thanos as a, his chief motivation, ridiculously, is <laughs> love which we put in air quotes because it's not love, but that thing, that that mm-hmm. obsession. And every time you look at it, it's more embarrassing. Yeah, up until the point where he basically, just, oh, fine, if, if you're not going to love me, I'll create my ideal woman who is just female me. <laughs> but Let's not like, read too much into that one, too. But oh, dumber. My God. <laughs> well, oh, my God. The thing that I forgot about 
that kind of upset me or disturbed me when it happened, it was her death. When they're floating in space, and Thanos is just like, oh, well. I forgot. I, for, I forgot to allow her to breathe in space. Oh, well, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? I love that how he was willing to, though, float there endlessly. And another super, I'm sure there's a better word, kids of today, but very emo Thanos, who, when he's defeated, floating in space with the corpse of his twin bride. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just sample that. Anyways, when he's doing that, he's like, well, I'm just going to live out here forever and just my mind will decay and my body will decay and it doesn't matter and everything hurts and I'm going to... Like he's falling into a portal. (laughs) Yeah, and then he gets sucked into a portal. And I'm like, I can't... How did I ever not see how... And I'm going to admit it. I did not, as a youth, I did not see his romance or his love for Mr. Steph as anything other than unrequited love which isn't always terrible in in fiction i mean it's always terrible but it's not always this whiny and pathetic sometimes it's just it's it's a different shade of pathetic it's not quite (laughs) this pathetic you know what i mean it's oh god very upsetting very upsetting normally in fiction the unrequited person who's suffering the unrequited love finds someone else by the end and everything's fine those are narrative this didn't work in this he found someone he made someone instead and that didn't work out either god before we move too far away, I want to say one thing. Thanos I guess real life doll. What is it? <laughs> real doll. Real, real doll. Yeah. One, one thing I'd like to say in defense of Taraxia, I absolutely love how in the battle of the with the heroes, she's like in the background of almost every every panel, just casually murdering superheroes. You, you know yeah. what she reminded me of? Because at one point she was dancing around too. It was almost like I'm going back and rewatching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Do you remember Drusilla? Vaguely, yeah. She was yeah. like all types of like hot crazy you know it was just like she was in her own world and and everything that's what taraxia kind of reminded me of all right yeah Yeah, she just you know just twists iron man's head off apparently yeah and is playing with the the, and she's got a big smile on her face yeah i don't know if she's ever appeared in comics after that oh no 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 that's all that's wonderful that is just wonderful that it's never showed up again. No. So Be upsetting. careful. We've said it now. So Yeah. So I actually, when, I, when the character first appeared, I was so shocked, and I guess I forgot. I was so shocked that I looked it up, uh, looked up the name, and it was Taraxia Kills Spider-Man? Question mark. So apparently people have been questioning this since the internet has been around. <laughs> whether or not she's actually killed Spider-Man, I think she does in that. I think so. You might as well. There's no consequence to any of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's kind of another thing that I find super upsetting. That is not good enough for me. I don't want a Thor, Ra- uh, not Thor Ragnarok. I don't want that scene that predated Thor Ragnarok when it was a dream sequence. I don't want a Justice League dream sequence in the movie. I don't want to see people's shields broken and all that when it's all oh, like oh, the Avengers a dream. Two thing you're talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I, that's just we can't do that. We can't do yeah. that. People have barely just started respecting comic book movies. We can't throw in a bunch of hypothetical what ifs. Yeah, and no people in refrigerators. I don't know how you do this, man. I don't know people who are making this story. I wouldn't know how to do a better one. Although Thanos Quest was really fun. Uh, but we can't we can't expect that because you have to have all these actors you've hired do something. Oh my god! Oh man, this is terrifying, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it uh, it's it was okay. It was interesting. Uh, there was a there. Let's maybe do a quick roundtable of things we loved and things we hated. Uh, this yeah. particular panels or whatever. I, I loved Howard the Duck in the oh, background the in the movie, movie marquee. marquee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Alf on the TVs. Alf on the, te- yeah. on the TVs. Times. Oh, yeah, multiple times. Oh yeah, several one. times. Um, At least twice. Drax is watching him on Titan. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Pip the Troll has him on TV in the in motel. The, in the hotel, yeah. Wow. As it, or proto Pip the Troll. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, it's weird because I just remember teenage me loving the hell out of this, thinking it was the greatest thing ever, yeah. and now it's it's it was. Not what I remember, but it's not terrible either, yeah, at least for me. It's interesting. I think maybe reading it right after Thanos Quest may have had an effect as well. Thanos mm-hmm. Quest was definitely much Because there was, there was a much more interesting, at least in the art style, there was more room to be experimental. In Even in the this. writing. Yeah, definitely the writing seemed a little tighter too. Uh, one thing I, I did enjoy trying to focus on things I liked, uh, I did like uh, Thor. I liked um, Eric Masterson. Eric Masterson. Yes. I did not. I still don't remember what was going on, but I do. I like the whole. He had a different thing in his head. Uh, he had like he's like, oh man, I hope people don't find out. I'm, I'm not, not really Thor. Thor. And, and reading this, I also like. Part of me is remember is thinking of modern day controversies. Yeah, and I'm like. This has always been a thing. Yeah. It is always. Why are people complaining? This has literally was, always been a thing. I'm trying to remember who it was that noticed it. Was it was it Silver Surfer or Adam Warlock or somebody else? It was Adam Warlock. Adam I Warlock. Think, I think. Oh, yeah. oh, hi Thor. If that's who you are. Oh yeah, yeah. And no, no it was Warlock. No, yeah. No nobody acknowledges it. it. There's like, a lot of slip things like that mm-hmm. because yeah, they had met at one point and he and Eric Masterson was concerned that he was going to be founded out as not yeah, being Thor. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then Warlock was like, oh, if that's who you are. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody nobody called nope. him on that. There's a couple times Thor says things that are totally out of character. Mm-hmm. No oh yeah. One calls him on it. Yep. Uh, there's a lot Which of Which was very much there. I was surprised at how tight the writing was across Marvel at that time with the the Eric Masterson Thor constantly slipping sl- up. Slightly slipping up, but just not enough to get caught. I don't know. I think you may be fanboying here. I think a lot of that was just loose writing. I think Possibly. a lot of this was just like, oh, this is not a phrase. Also, I would, I'll be no, honestly, I would if it weren't if it consistent. weren't made it was consistent and it was made a part of the storyline. Uh, I, I hate all the beasts and thous and all yeah. the, it it was wrong in Thanos quest the grandiose speech felt right yes here it felt like first draft mm-hmm. like I have to write him and he has to say something nothing shall be the thing in my thought like it's what no and it's not just Odin it's everybody who speaks in that way yeah. speaks a little weak in that way like it was literally first draft this guy is proper speech. this was very much George Lucas dialogue oh God wow. I think one of the things that I love about it, and I st- actually I still love about it, is that image of Thanos taking on the personification of, of uh, Eternity. That was one that of those moments beautiful. that I loved the pieces. And the after moment when Nebula grabs the gauntlet and it's that pose of her raising it up in the that air. That was cool. It was like certain moments like that. I just, I just love them. Even going back and revisiting it. it yeah, that moment same... when, when Eternity Thanos notices that something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. And he the, can't, the he can't look on his universe yeah. space face the, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like the covers. I think most of the covers were done by Perez, actually. Yes. Yeah. And the, especially the one cover with Issue Thanos. Four. Come Issue and four. Come and get me. That is... Classic. One yeah. of the most iconic comic book covers ever made. Even the first opinion. issue, I think, is still one of the best ones. Oh, it's too. very good. Here's a question for you. Do you think the story suffered by us trying to get the name brand Marvel heroes, a lot of whom are street level heroes, 
in this fight as opposed to keeping it with some cosmic heroes. Like if it was Thor and um, some other guys. Hulk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ones, the Omega level threats, yeah. right? And Not then you could Spider-Man. throw in your classic, you know, Captain yeah, America because and... Captain America always is, you know. Well, he's, 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 he's a, a cosmic level tactician. Yeah, sure. I think... I think a big part of it was that I feel like I felt like a lot of people on the on this fight list were people. I'm like, why are you even here? Why did you show up to work today? I put the lie to that one. I mean, they weren't they clearly weren't just trying. I don't understand how they picked the heroes. Yeah. But they clearly weren't. Let's cram in as many A-listers as we can because we got Cloak and Fire Lord. (laughs) So people are really buying the books for Cloak and Fire Lord. You know what? It feels like who was I trying to say? Oh God! It, I, maybe it was Adam Warlock, but while reading this, I was thinking, "Stop trying to make Adam Warlock a thing." It feels like <laughs> stop trying to make Milhouse well, a meme. It was like that's not gonna stop it. Stop it. Maybe it was. I can't remember who it well, was. And that was the thing too that I forgot about. His whole plan was it doesn't matter what the initial thing was. They're just cannon fodder. Just mm-hmm. bear with me. Right. And the fact that he had no emotion and no pathos to Which any cool. of it. And that was very like, cool. No, you're just gonna go in. I'm not gonna tell you you're gonna die, but you're gonna die. Yeah, I just felt like I I saw that as well a little too early and i was like this is maybe i don't know it was just so for that point I, it, it may be pacing for that yeah. point it didn't matter who was in that fight true yeah. although you want some cannon fodder that has a chance yeah not uh i, I don't know i was trying to think of let's uh, just face it drax the destroyer was not a good or popular character at part that point of me wants to wonder which ones are the ones they were trying to like all right let's see if we could move some of these these Nova toys. Damn, we got a studio <laughs> full of them. Who was that one person who had uh, Eon as their... Uh, Quasar. Quasar. Epoch. I, you yeah, mean Epoch. Epoch. Yeah. Oh my God, Epoch is just ridiculous. He looked like a mad ball that was looking yeah. out in the <laughs> yeah. sun. What was that? What was that was, ever a thing? Well, the offspring of Ego? It doesn't even matter. All right, so let's do our reviews. It's time to do this. Uh, uh, I'm going... So I can't believe I'm doing this, but... I, I desperately try to find a near mint in this, but it's a good. I think if you want it for like uh, for for historical reasons, there's some value to it. But honestly, it's not that great. You could pass it up. You reading a synopsis of Infinity War is as interesting to me as actually reading the six issues again. I hate to say it, good. I'll be honest. I remember again loving this so much, and I was so excited about it. And then we get to it. And it's like, it's not really kind of how I remember it. And I was teetering. I'm going to go near mint, but it's nowhere near the level of Dino's Quest. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one near mint. And I uh, I wholeheartedly disagree with both of you. To me, the series still stands up. I loved it. I, I love the pacing. I think there are subtle nuances to the story. While it does have its flaws, all of the little things build together to make an incredibly fun read. I don't think this holds up to very deep literary analysis, but it's never meant to. This is the blockbuster movie popcorn film of comic books. And as such, I still think it deserves now and forever a mint. Wow, mint. All right, awesome. Well, you know what? I I don't disagree with your points, Pete. I think they make a lot of sense, and I could definitely see it. Uh, Is there one thing that we didn't really discuss that you're like, this is a beautiful moment. I really enjoyed this thing. Uh, I'll give you you three things to redeem it. Number one, I do love the fact that much like current theories going around with the Marvel MCU, the Fantastic Four is murdered off panel. (laughs) Yes. 
completely. <laughs> Every single and one almost of them. not uh, like not even really mentioned. They just show a picture of well, the, these people are dead. They're not even lined They're up next together. to each other. They're not even together. <laughs> They're They're sporadic all over it's the place. It's not like it's alphabetical order either. They're just yep, just <laughs> number two. I loved the scene with Hulk and Wolverine on the roof of Avengers Mansion. Yes, yes. Acknowledging and, and, who they are. Yeah, right. And just, yeah. just. Uh, I mean, even going back a little bit further, when Hulk won't join because of the way the Avengers have treated them over the years. Yeah, yeah. Because we have smart Bruce yeah. Banner brain inside the Hulk. But the the important thing to me is that was a huge issue in the comics at that point. Mm-hmm. It was a huge deal for the Hulk to be even in the same room as the Avengers. Right. The same thing with Wolverine. Wolverine and the Hulk fought each other the first time. They were blood enemies. It always came to blows mm-hmm. when the two fought each other. It, it was This is a time when, you know, Jason Todd and Bucky Barnes were forever dead. <laughs> True. Uh, th- these were comics, rules, and laws that you never broke. Hulk doesn't get back together with the Avengers. Hulk and Wolverine are always enemies. And this put it aside. It gave a gravitas to the to the story. I'll agree with that. I will agree. With uh, that. And it was it was really touching seeing the two of them on the on a, the roof of Avengers Mansion mm-hmm. and not betraying their characters at all. Right. As if they were still the characters they were. It was just they, was that the way they come to of, terms yeah. with really the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, I will bring up is the last scene of the story. Oh yeah. Where right. Adam Warlock goes to visit Thanos in his retirement. <laughs> uh where he's he's given up and become a farmer. The, the scarecrow the, was great. Yeah, the scarecrow made out of his old uh armor, I guess you'd call it, or costume. The fact that Gamora asks why he's doing it and he says, "Well, it, I always do this after becoming a god." <laughs> Well, because it, it was that line because it, ma- it makes it seem like he's done this a bunch of times yeah. to see if anything changes. And he does explain that yeah, because, point, because for uh, for both of them, for, th- for Thanos when he had the gauntlet and for Adam when he had it, time is a continuous loop for mm-hmm. them. Mm. Constantly experiences that. And said, well, it's it's what I always do. It's interesting what Starlin did like, yeah. worm into this relatively basic story about a, you know, yeah. a fight. Yeah, and it becomes there. There are little pieces in here that become a meditation on what it means to be the supreme being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just love that last image of the somewhat humble Thanos, without his uh, I, I call it a crown, his headpiece, mm-hmm. uh, wearing the humble robes, and just sitting there thinking, "Yeah, I know what's coming for Adam Warlock, and it ain't good." And what's interesting is um, uh, Starlin and uh, I believe both artists on this realized at the time that this would be Thanos' last story, his last appearance. They just realized it wrong because there's more to come for Thanos and Infinity Month. The next book we're reading is Infinity War, probably the second most iconic story in the ridiculously titled Infinity Saga thingamajig. Certainly, if not already, soon to be the most iconic title. Absolutely. Of an infinity story. So if you enjoyed this podcast, and we know you did, please like and follow and subscribe and rank and review our show. It really does help a lot. And we cannot wait to continue this story. And if you are a fan of the Infinity Goal and want to know what happens between that and the next week when we do Infinity War, they've recently recollected the issues of Warlock and the Infinity Watch. 
which take place almost immediately after the events of the Infinity Gauntlet, and we see what happens to the Gauntlet. Oh, nice. And we see what Very happens cool. to Adam Warlock and ultimately why things change in, in, in between the books. Right, because a gold gauntlet on a gold uniform and body, just, it's clashes. Packy. Mm-hmm. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.